Good morning. It's good to see everyone. I think every uh, Memorial Day weekend, I always like to thank our veterans. And I, I know every 100% of all veterans will come up to me and say, this is really not a weekend to thank us, but to remember the men and women who paid the ultimate price. And I understand that, but I, I, just, I just have a place in my heart for anybody, any men, women who have served our country. I just, I just thank them. And because they, too, were willing to lay down their life for our country. So I appreciate all the veterans as we remember those this weekend that gave the ultimate price. I don't know who prayed for this day. Anybody here pray for a beautiful day today? I need to give you all my prayer requests, all right? Because, man, it is unbelievable outside. So I've just been hanging out outside in between services absolutely a beautiful day and so we began a journey last week talking about spiritual gifts and i've entitled the series desiring spiritual gifts and probably over the last 35 years or so it's been something i've been kind of passionate about i i don't often preach a series on spiritual gifts because it is very very opinionated there's a lot of different ideas about spiritual gifts and there are a lot of people that are just kind of all over the place on spiritual gifts and so i have some people that i love dearly who believe that that a lot of the miraculous gifts have ceased with the time of the apostles i love them to death but i do not take that stance i believe the same gifts that god gave the early church are the same gifts we need today to operate in the church. And so I've been just kind of on a journey. And again, if you have a different opinion, as I mentioned last week, you can buy me lunch. I'll go out and I'll listen to you. I'll love on you. And I will walk away as friends. But again, I, I just feel confident that the same gifts are still here today. And so I, I want to share that. And so we began as we did last week in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. There are two chapters in the Bible that deal the most with spiritual gifts, and that's 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. Those are the two chapters that deal a lot with spiritual gifts. And so it wouldn't surprise us again that in the middle of those two chapters is the 13th chapter, which is the love chapter. And so I think Paul's saying to us, although the gifts are important and we need to understand and pursue gifts, ultimately, whatever we do has to be in love. That love chapter is in the absolute perfect place in the Bible because no matter how we serve the body of Christ, has to be in love. That's really, really important. So Paul says here in chapter 14, pursue love. He just got done talking about love. And so we need to pursue love. We need to desire the love of God flow through us. But then he says, and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you prophesy. I remember reading that back. I was probably in my, uh, I don't know, early on in ministry. Probably I was in my 25 to 30 year range. And I read that. I don't ever remember being told to pursue the gift of prophecy. And so I just got kind of curious about that and began to seek that. And, And over the years, that's been one of my passions is to study the gift of prophecy and all the gifts. But next week... Uh, Lord willing, next week we're going to begin talking about prophecy. I was going to do it this week, but there's too many loose ends, and I, I, want to, I just want to dedicate an entire service or two to the subject of prophecy. And so, again, 
I'm doing that next week. By the way, early in my ministry here, uh, probably, I don't know how long I had been here at Villa Ridge, but we had several staff. I took the staff to Kansas City, and they had a prophecy conference there. And so I decided to go, and it was at a charismatic church. And so, how many of you know you don't get a lot of Baptist churches sending people to a charismatic church for a conference? But they had a conference on prophecy, and I just wanted to get all that I could. Can I tell you, I'll sit through almost anybody who teaches on prophecy. I want to receive from everybody. And, and, and listening to teaching and preaching is like eating fish. you got to eat the meat and leave the bones. Amen? And some teachers and preachers are more bony than others. All right? But again, I want to receive. And so we're going to this charismatic church because they had a, a conference on prophecy. And so I'm thinking to myself, how do we sneak in a Baptist staff at a charismatic church on prophecy? And so my go-to was, I'm going to sit on the back row. That's where I grew up, on the back row. And so we got in there, it was in this room, they had kind of a big room. And when we got in there, we were running late, so we get in there, and guess what? There is no seats anywhere except the front row. Anybody say awkward? And they knew we were coming because we had registered. Where's the Baptists? Oh, there they are. They come in the front row. So I'm going to share a little bit about that story. I'm not going to share it today. But there were some funny stories. How many of you know you get Baptists and Karamaks together? There's always funny stories. All right. But anyway, so I'm going to share a little bit about that next week. All right. And so again, desire that we prophesy. Now the, the complete Jewish Bible says it. Keep on eagerly seeking the things of the Spirit and especially seek to prophesy. I don't know if that's ever been on your heart, but I hope it just kind of whets your appetite and you begin to seek the gift of prophecy. And I, again, I wonder why that gift? You know, so we're told in the Bible that God gives the gifts as he wills, and yet we're also told that we need a desire. And so God gives us gifts as he wills, but we also get the responsibility of beginning to seek from God additional gifts. All right, and so this is one of those. That word desire, by the way, if you have a Strong's Concordance, it's number 2206. It's the Greek word zelu, or zelo, I believe, and it really is where we get the word zealous from, and the King James translates it, covet earnestly. Covet it earnestly. I mean, passionately, zealously go after the gift of prophecy. And so that got my curiosity up, why have I not been seeking this gift? And so I'm going to share part of my journey over the last 35 years in the next couple of weeks about the gift of prophecy. And so the Bible also tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts are spiritual things, I do not want you to be ignorant. And so the Bible says we need to understand spiritual gifts, but we also need to desire and pursue gifts. So those two things are really, really important. So we need to desire spiritual gifts, but we also should not be ignorant of how God has designed the church, all right? And so that word ignorant just means it signifies a lack of knowledge or perception, a willful blindness. You willfully reject understanding spiritual gifts now that word ignorant by the way if you study that's kind of a good that would be a good sermon series do not be ignorant there's about 12 times where the bible says do not be ignorant 
Do not be ignorant of his second coming. And one of the times it says not to be ignorant is of spiritual things or spiritual gifts. So you kind of get the idea. Paul said, do not be ignorant that we can be ignorant, that we can choose to not receive that from God. All right? And so we're going to talk about that. Last week I gave some of the listings of the gifts, and I want to do that again today. Uh, probably when I was a young pastor, I heard Don Crosslands. He was a, a pastor somewhere, but he did. He kind of taught spiritual gifts. I kind of like the way that he teaches, and you may divide them up differently, and I, I, I accept that. I'll listen to how you divide. But he just divided them up according to the listings in the Bible, according to the different Greek words. He didn't add any gifts. He didn't take any gifts away. And I believe, again, I like to see it exactly how the Bible teaches it. I don't want to add anything. I don't want to take anything away. And so in chapter 12, he lists some charismatons, or motivational gifts of grace. And that word charismaton, uh, the root of that is the word for joy and also the word for grace. And here's what I've discovered. When people find and discover their spiritual gift and begin to use it in the body of Christ, it produces joy. And it produces grace. And so the reason we want to discover our gift, we want to serve in joy. We want to serve where God has gifted us, and we want to experience God's grace. And so these are the gifts listed there. Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, organizing, and mercy. And we spent a little time last week talking about these seven gifts. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, he lists some ministry gifts, diakonion. And so he lists here, these are more ministries, the ministry of an apostle, prophet, teacher, miracles, gifts of healing, workings of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, various tongues, and interpretations of tongues. So we may have one of those motivational gifts in chapter 12 of Romans, but we may have a different ministry altogether in another ministry area that God has given us. And then later in the chapter, he lists some manifestations of the Spirit, and those are a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, various tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And I see these manifestations as that as we're ministering to the body of Christ, as we need one of these gifts, God gives us a manifestation as we need it, as we're ministering. And as I said last week, this has happened to everybody. Have you been teaching a Bible study and all of a sudden a verse comes to mind that you had not prepared, you had not even thought about, but a verse comes to mind and you share that verse because somebody in that group needed that verse. That to me is a word of knowledge. And so God will give us manifestations of the Spirit as we need them, as we're ministering to the body of Christ. And the last group of, of, of uh, gifts mentioned in the Bible or listed is in Ephesians chapter 4 when he lists uh, gifts that God has given the church to help equip the church. And these gifts are in the way of people that God has given to the church to help equip the church. He lists apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And so these are gifts he gives the church so that they can equip the church so the church 
can do the work of the ministry. I want to tell you again, it's last week. Now, some people would say, who's the minister of your church? And you may say me or one of the other pastors. But can I tell you, really, biblically, all of you are ministers to the body of Christ. I mean, we're to equip the church, but the church is to do the work of the ministry. And so we're all a part of the ministry. And so every time you walk through the door, I want to tell you, God has brought you here to minister to the body of Christ. You're as important to the body as I am. And so when you begin to see that and sense that, it really becomes exciting to come together and to minister to one another in the body of Christ. And so again, the purpose of gifts to build up other believers, to bring unity in the church. It's a testimony of God's love. And, you know, as I think as the world comes by and drives by and sees all of us different people coming in the building, they may say, how, what are all those people? They're so different. What can they ever have in common? And even though there's a lot of diversity in the church, what unites us together is God. And a God that enables us to love one another and to minister to one another in the body of Christ. It gives us understanding of other people. Why are they like they are? Well, they may be gifted different than you. And again, we need to learn to receive from each other in the body of Christ. How can spiritual gifts be abused? We can exalt our gift and have pride. And I've seen it. I've seen it where people have said, if you don't have this gift, you're not saved. If you don't have this gift, you're not filled with the Spirit. And I just want to tell you, I don't believe that's what the Bible teaches. So we can exalt the gift. We can neglect our gift, which I am guilty of most of my early years as a Christian. We can reject our gift and not want the gift God has given us. Or we can be jealous of somebody else's gift. So again, we can have some abuses of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are not natural talents and abilities. You know, somebody might say, man, I wish I could play the piano like Brother Day. That is a great gift. And it is sort of a natural gift, but it's not a gift of the Spirit. A gift of the Spirit is something supernaturally that God gives that you can't learn, you can't muster it up in the flesh. It's a God-given endowment into our life. So gifts are not natural talents or abilities, they're not fruit of the Spirit, and they're not church offices, all right? What spiritual gifts do, or what we should do with spiritual gifts, they need to be studied. We need to take time to study what they are. We need to desire spiritual gifts. And I hope as we go through this, you'll begin to put on your prayer list and begin to ask God to increase your spiritual gifts, that you desire the gift of prophecy. And they need to be developed. This is really important. You know, when God gives you a spiritual gift, we need to understand that those gifts have to be developed. How many of you remember the first time you taught a Bible study? I remember the first time I preached, it was ugly. I had, I had 50 pages of notes and I was done in three minutes and I repeated everything twice. Now I just need about three sentences and I can go an hour. But you know, when someone's just starting out, man, they are rough around the edges. But you have to understand that gift has to be developed. I'm going to say that probably many times over the next couple of weeks because we have to understand with the gift of prophecy, no one comes in totally mature in any gift. It has to be developed and you have to give grace on each other as that gift is being developed. All right, so the gifts have to be developed, really important. And then he goes on to say there, verse we looked at last week, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And so again, the body of Christ is going to be very diverse And yet the thing that unites us is when we all come under the authority of God, the same God that's working in me is working in you, and that's what unites us together. And then he goes on to say here, very important verse, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to who? Each one. Can I tell you, you're as important to God as I am or anybody else. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to all of His children. Man, you are important to the body of Christ. And why does God give us the manifestation of the Spirit? To each one to profit the body. And and this week I saw on Facebook where somebody was upset at the church. And they had some ugly things to say. And I don't know which church it was. Just church in general. And they said, oh, there's just nothing but hypocrites in that church. I'm just fed up with it. Somebody else chimed in. Yeah, 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 I'm the same way. I just found out I'm just going to worship God at home. I'm just me and God. And first of all, I just say I understand that. I understand why people get burned at church. I also want to say that God did not design the Christian life for you to minister to yourself. He designed this thing where we need each other. And even though you may need a little sabbatical away from the church, at some point, you're going to be drawn back because God designed this thing where we need each other. And you're going to find yourself coming to church, not even sure why you're coming because you're mad at that preacher. Something he said, he didn't shake my hand. And you may be mad at me, but you're going to find yourself coming because... You're drawn to the body of Christ. The truth is, you can go to heaven without the church, but you're not going to be happy. God gives us a love for one another that cannot be explained other than God. But we began to love one another, and our hearts should be to profit the whole body. And so he, Paul takes and he uses the most simple illustration to describe the diversity and yet unity in the body of Christ. I love visual aids. And Paul does it here. He describes the church as a human body. The human body is made up of all kinds of different parts, but they all work together for the overall good of the body. Several years ago, I talked about this, and I brought somebody up, and I said, I want you to catch this ball, but you can't use your arms. And so they stood there, and I had a real soft ball, and I threw it at their face. I got close enough I could hit them, and it just boop, bounced right off their face. And they, they couldn't catch it because they couldn't use their arms. Thank God it wasn't a bowling ball, right? I mean, but anyway, it was, just, it was a bouncy ball. And then I, I tell them next time, I, you know, this time I want you to use your arms. And so I threw it to them, boom, they caught it. You know, the human body is so incredible how it all works together for the overall good of the body. Paul uses, it could not be more simple than understanding as diverse as the human body is. That's how the church is. But as the body works together, because it's all connected to the head and everything functions off of what the head tells all the parts to do, they all work together in the same way as the church. And so he goes on to say this, kind of ironic. He says, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not part of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? 
Or if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Now, can you imagine having a body with all eyes and no ears? That would be weird. Can you imagine having a body with all ears and no mouth? It would be quiet. But the diversity of the human body, can it be any easier for Paul to describe the church? It's so diverse, and yet it's unified because it's all working together for the common good of the body. That's the church. And the only way we can do that is if we're all subject to Christ. If we're all under the authority of Christ, then we can not only share with the body, but we can receive from the body. Here's what I've discovered in ministry. It's a lot easier to give than to receive many times. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I, I didn't know a whole lot. I wasn't probably, I should have probably went through some more training, but I just decided to have a foot washing. I'd never seen one in a church. I said, we're going to do a foot washing in our youth group. Never been to one. I wasn't sure how to do it, but I just got some buckets, got some water, and I just kind of made it up as I went along. But here's what I've discovered. If you ever, anybody here ever go to a real foot washing? You do not go to a foot washing to clean your feet. How many of you know that? When you go to a foot washing, every one of those feet is squeaky clean. Everybody has soaked in hot water. The last thing you want is somebody to wash your, show, your feet and get some lint off your sock it's not about it's not about hygiene but i want to tell you this it's it's so much easier for me to get down and wash all those youth feet i remember when that youth came to me and said i'd like to wash your feet it was the hardest thing in the world to sit there and to let somebody wash my feet i shared in the middle service when I was a youth pastor, this guy, I can't remember his name, but he was kind of, kind of a misfit guy. He, he didn't have any kind of a home life. He was really just had nothing in life. And I just kind of took him under my wing and just began to hang out with him. And I remember I would take him out to eat. And one day he, he got a little bit of money. I don't know if he did a job. I'm not sure how he got it. He didn't have a lot. He may have had $10. And he said to me, Roger, I would like to take you out to lunch today. I'd like to buy your lunch. He couldn't take me out to lunch because he didn't have a car. So I drove, and I remember we got in line, and, and we both ordered, and then I real quick went in front of him, and I paid. I'll never forget him looking up with a tear in his eye. He said, you have robbed me of a blessing. I felt terrible. Sometimes in the body of Christ, you have to receive. You have to just receive from the other members of the body. And that's more humbling than it is to go to somebody and again to do something for them. He goes on to say, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body as he pleased. So in one sense, it's God that chooses your initial gift. God chooses based on who we are, what he knows us to be. God gifts us. But then it turns around and says we need to desire more gifts. So in one way, 
we don't have a choice, the initial gift that God gives us, but the other way, we're told to desire spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy. I don't ever remember being taught that, but man, the more I got into it, the more passionate I become about it, and so we're going to spend a couple of weeks talking about prophecy, what I, or at least where I am on the process, okay, talking about that. He goes on to say, if they were all one member, where would the body be? Again, it would be crazy to think that we're all going to be exactly alike. We're all different for the profit of the whole body. That's why we're diverse as Christians. And so he goes on to say, but now indeed there are many members, one body. So Paul illustrates the church about as simple as you can by describing the church as a human body. But you know, everybody, again, the body functions based on what the head tells all the parts of the body. In the same way, the church is under the head or the lordship of Christ. Notice what it says in Ephesians. Paul says this, He put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is so exciting. He says there at the beginning of this, God the Father put all things under Christ's feet. I want you to think about that. Somebody may say to me, well, pastor, I'm just a little toe. I'm just a little toe. I, I don't have all that much. It says he put everything under his feet. So if you're a little toe on the feet of Jesus, I want you to know that everything is under you. You have authority in life. When somebody comes into me on Sunday and says, I say, how you doing? They say, oh, I'm doing okay under the circumstances. What are you doing under them? If you're a little toe, he put everything under his feet. That ought to make all the little toes out there excited. Woo! I'm somebody. I'm somebody. You are somebody. You really are somebody. That's good stuff right there. That'll teach and preach right there. He put all things under his feet. And by the way, when we all get lined up under the head, here's what I think happens. When we all find our gift and begin to get under the head and just let the head lead us and guide us, here's what I think happens, man. The anointing of Jesus comes down on the church. Man, when we get under the lordship of Christ, who is the head of the church, his spirit begins to flow through the church and begins to anoint and miracle things. I mean, the things of God just happen, miraculous stuff. I used to believe that if I worked harder, worked harder, worked harder, twisted arms, twisted arms, guilted people, that we could grow. But I'm telling you, man, I believe with all of my heart what the world is waiting to see is a church that understands the gifting, gets under the headship of Christ, and just begins to allow that river of living water, that anointing of the sun, to flow down through the church and out of the church and minister to one another. The world is waiting to see a group of believers that are powered by the power of the Spirit of God. I mean, we can go on doing the best we can, doing the best we can, doing the best. I mean, I just get burnt out doing the best I can. I want to experience God doing something only God can do. And as we understand gifts, it's just a release of how God has structured the church. Now, I was told 
I was going to use Mr. Potato Head today, and I was told by several people that's not politically correct. You shouldn't use Mr. Potato Head. I have no idea why. I didn't read it. I don't know. I just was told, don't use Mr. Potato Head. We do have one in our nursery, just telling you. Our children may need counseling coming out of that Mr. Potato Head. And so I decided I, I was going to be good. I was not going to use Mr. Potato Head. But I was going to make my own potato head. I made my own church potato. And so, I, yeah, I created this. I, made, I mean, I'm kind of proud of it. But, you know, when you get all the parts where they should be, it looks right. It looks right. But, you know, if a church was to get together and form a committee, how many of you know committees can really screw things up? I've heard before that a camel is a committee's idea of a horse. That's what I've heard. I love, the, I love the sticker that says, For God so loved the world, he didn't send a committee. Thank God. Thank God. But you know, if a committee were designing the body, it might look something like this. Lots of eyes and lots of mouth. I've seen churches like this. A lot of spectators, a lot of opinions. Oh, yeah. But man, this would be a mess. How many of you want to be a part of that church? A lot of people looking at you. A lot of people critiquing you. And there's people that tell me, Pastor, I think I've got the gift of critique. That's not a gift. That is not a gift. We need to deliver you out of that gift, all right? God hasn't given you the gift of a gavel. You're not to judge. I'm going somewhere I shouldn't go. All right, let's get back. Now, last year, last year was the craziest year ever in church. Craziest year ever when they said, everybody got to stay home. You know how weird that is when God has created us to be one body, and then all of a sudden we're told, we all got to stay separated. Here was the church last year. Nobody there. Everybody home. That is a weird church to pastor. But somehow we survived. You guys are here. That's the grace of God. You guys could have found something else to do on Sunday mornings while you were away. But what draws us back is the Spirit of God drawing us back. So again, this is kind of, this is how it should be. Everything in proportion. I mean, this is what my dream is for our church, is for everybody to find their gift, to be that place in the body, and, and to give to the body, and to receive from the body. I said last week, if you remember, I said last week, there's as much life in the little toe as any other part of the body. Remember that? I think I said it in all three services. But, but I said that, and so uh, Lou Ann McNabb, she talked to Lou Ironman, and she told her about that. And Lou Ironman called me last Sunday. If you know Lou Ironman, she's probably one of the most positive people I've ever met. I mean, I think she could charge hell with a water pistol if she were the only one. I mean, she was just positive. She probably gives the devil fits. But she said to me, I, she said, I heard Sunday you used the example of stubbing your little toe. And she said, I, I got a story I got to tell you. And I'm going to tell it the best way I remember it. If I add some things, it's ministerially speaking, all right? So anyway, she called and talked to me. She said, I got a story to tell you. She said, I got up in the middle of the night. I was going in to get something, and I hit my foot on something, and it broke my little toe. Broke it. And she said, I was not a happy person. Michael called out. She began to speak in a known tongue. 
An unknown tongue sometimes is better. She began to speak in a very known tongue. She was very, she got, you know, she's going through chemo treatment. She's had all the pain and suffering I've been through. Nothing hurt like my little toe. And I got to tell you, I was laughing so hard, I was crying. And I know it wasn't funny when it happened, but you, you got to know Lou. She could do stand-up comedy on that right, right there. I mean, she had me rolling. And she said, I was not a very nice person that night. And so I, I began to think again how valuable every member is in the body of Christ. Sometimes we look around and people and we think, well, I'm just not that important. I'm kind of a nobody. I'm a little toe. When you understand the same life of God that was in Jesus is in you. That God has a place for little toes, big toes, and all parts of the body. And so I found a picture of a broken little toe. And, and, but I want you all to know something. This is really, really important. This is not Lou Arman's foot. Do not go home and call her and say, man, I saw your foot. It was gross. This is not Lou Arman's foot. And by the way, feet in general are just pretty ugly. Now, you may have pretty feet. I don't know. You may have pretty feet. Gary Presley wears sandals 364 days out of the year. I'm going to give him one day off for something else. But most of the time, snow, rain, sleet, he got sandals on. Most people have a toe that sticks out, crosses over. There's this weird things going on with feet. There's a reason we cover our feet. Amen? But this broken toe, again, if you really have a broken toe, I've, honestly, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody with a broken toe, but Lou, but what great timing that God allowed her to break her toe so I could have a great illustration. I said, Lou, I am so sorry, but I will use this next week. But she called me to share that. And it reminds me of what Paul goes on to say here, for if one member suffers, all members suffer with it, or if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. You know, the truth is, when you really begin to function as a body and one member's hurting, we all hurt. I tell you, last, last week when we took the dollar offering for McCurdy's, and nobody knew about it, we just did it kind of on the spare of the moment. It was a, a member of our family who was struggling, suffering, we got the largest dollar offering we've ever received at our church. And that's a, that's a word for you guys. That you were just obedient to God, and when one member suffers, we all suffer. One of the things that we do oftentimes in the evening, Brenda, sometimes Brenda will bring it up, sometimes I'll start, but we just call people in the evening. We're both on the couch, and she'll say, well, what about this person? Have you talked to this person? And, and so we just put them on speakerphone, and, and we just call and see how they're doing. And here's what I've noticed. No matter who I talk to, almost without exception, they will begin to tell me, you know, I've got a stack of cards from the church. And they said, you'll never know what that means. And they'll talk about a text they've got or a phone call they've got. Somebody dropped off this or dropped off that. They stopped by to see them. Can I just tell you guys, you are doing church. When God puts somebody on your mind who's hurting and you take time to reach out to them and however you need to bless them, that's church. That's exactly what the body of Christ is about. We're to minister to one another and to, we're to receive from one another as well. 
And then he goes on to say kind of the obvious, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? Now the obvious answer to all those would be no. We're not all going to have the same ministry. So anytime you're in a church and they're all wanting to do the exact same thing, that's not a healthy church. So again, there's diversity in the body, but there's unity in the Spirit of God. So he ends chapter 12 the same way he starts chapter 14. This is the last verse of chapter 12. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. And he's going to talk about the love chapter. But he says again, desire the best gifts. Even though God gives us certain gifts and we have no choice, we we receive those, we have the privilege of desiring other gifts. The Amplified Bible says it this way, but earnestly desire and strive for the greater gifts. I love that. King James translates that word desire again as covet, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And the complete Jewish Bible says eagerly seek the better gifts. So as we discover our gift, and I want you to hopefully prayerfully discover how God has gifted you, I want you to pray for greater gifts. That together we just have a desire to bless the body of Christ. And then he goes into the love chapter, and I want us to read this together. If you don't mind, just right where you are, let's just stand if you're able to. If you don't, you can remain seated. So Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 13, I don't care what gift you have, I don't care how great you think you are. If it's not done in love, it's nothing. So here's what I want to say is we're studying spiritual gifts, and it is important to know our gift. But however we serve the body of Christ, if it's not done with the love of God, we're off base. So I, I just want you to see what Paul says here about serving in love, all right? So I'm going to read the yellow, you guys read the white, all right? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels... But have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. But have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked and thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity. Love never fails. I just want us to read those last three words one more time. Love never fails. So ultimately, as we discover our gifts, and I think we should desire to know our gifts, we should desire greater gifts, and one of those is prophecy. Again, he says, especially that you prophesy. So We're going to talk about that next week. I'm going to share part of my journey. I've had an incredible journey in that area. I've seen some things that are way, way out there. I've seen some things that were deader than a doornail, but I've, I've, I've had a takeaway from every situation. 
God has a great sense of humor. I always want to learn from anybody and everybody. I want to learn anything I can about God's Word. And so I want to close the same way we did last week. The Bible says, do not neglect, as Paul was saying to young Timothy, do not neglect neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the elders. So first of all, do not neglect how God has gifted you. Do not neglect it. The second one Peter shares in 1 Peter when he says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So we're not to neglect our gift. And Peter says we're actually to use our gift as a good steward of God. You know, what God has gifted you with, he wants you to use it in the body of Christ. And so I want you to be a good steward and say, God, that if you'll show me what my gift is, if you'll give me greater gifts, God, I want to use all of those to minister to the body of Christ. I'm really looking forward to the next couple weeks. We may not set any records, but we're going to keep everybody alert. Amen. And if God can use an old Baptist pastor and teach me and continue to teach me, I think God wants to teach all of us. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church. And I hope that, again, my, my goal is not just to fill this up with people out of hard work, hard work, hard work. But I hope the Spirit of God so fills us as a church that we begin to love one another, minister to one another, and people drive by and say, I don't know what's going on up there. There's a lot of crazy different people. It's got to be God. That's the only way to explain it when God starts working. How many of y'all are excited? That's exciting. I want to just take a minute. I just want you just to, to imagine yourself just receiving from your Father. Would you ask God as we go through this journey, if you don't know, that God would show you how He has gifted you? And would you let God know that if, as He shows you that you want to be a good steward of that and you want to give back to the body of Christ? And also let God know that you want to receive from others in the body. And would you begin to pray, begin to pursue the gift of prophecy, especially that you prophesy. Let's just take a minute as David comes. We want to have a word of prayer. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that today, before you leave, you would take a moment and acknowledge that Jesus died for you on the cross. Ask Him to forgive you and to come into your life, and I believe He will honor that. Maybe you're visiting today, and this is where God is leading you to plug in, become a member. Maybe you just need someone to pray with you or pray for you. We would love for you to slip out. Would you take a moment, maybe God would put somebody on your mind or your heart today that you need to go to and just pray for. It's incredible, when God puts somebody on your mind, chances are you should contact them. Let's take just a minute just to sit before God or stand before God. With childlike faith, I just want you to receive those gifts that God wants to give you.
And would you whisper up a prayer, God, I earnestly desire to prophesy. And we're going to talk about it next week. There's something about that gift that has really, really intrigued me for a long time. That God would say that in His Word. If anybody needs to stick around and talk, we would love, we'll be around to talk. I hope in this next few weeks as we take this journey together, I pray that God would open up our eyes to the diversity and the unity in the body of Christ. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for my church family. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. And God, it really is. You had to have a sense of humor to put us all together because we are so diverse. Yet, God, you have gifted everyone in this room that's your child. And Lord, we want to discover how you've gifted us. Father, we want to honor you by giving back to the body. But we also want to receive from the body in, in ways that you've gifted them to bless us. So, Father, we're under the authority of the head. We just pray that that river of living water would spill down over your body, that your anointing would fill each of your children. And Father, I just pray that every day we live, we would do the next step in love, whatever that is. May all that we do bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.